and everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler, and we, like always, want to invite our viewers to interact with us today. If you have any questions or comments about what we're discussing on the YouTube video, you can just put your comments and thoughts in the live video chat, and we'll be watching that throughout our program. Or if you have anything that you'd like to, to discuss with us afterwards, you can visit our website, BibleQuest.tv, and give us your comments and questions there. Uh, also, it would help our channel a lot if you think this is helpful and you'd like to share this with others. Um, you know, share our videos, like our page, subscribe to our page. Really helps other people be able to find our content on YouTube. Uh, all right, so today we've got Justin Dobbs. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing well, thank God. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing well. Got got some a lot of work to do recently, but uh, things are going well. Um, so yeah, and then also Scott Smelser uh, is should be joining us later on, but um, we're going to go ahead and get started without him uh, and our discussion today. So last week we talked in the Proverbs about uh, one specific topic. We kind of zeroed in on a, on a set of different Proverbs about laziness or gluttony or um, you know procrastination, th those kinds of, of ideas and what the Proverbs have to say about that. And afterwards, we were talking about how it would just be helpful just to talk about Proverbs in general. Maybe go back and start mm -hmm. back at Proverbs chapter 1. Um, Proverbs is a really interesting book. It's really helpful. Um, but uh, I don't know. Do you want to start, Justin, with maybe just talking about Proverbs, kind of the general scope of Proverbs, the big picture of it? Like maybe, you know, what, what do you get out of Proverbs when you think of the book? What do you, what do you think of? Yeah. Um, Proverbs is... It is fascinating. Um, it, it may be one of the books that people think of the most. Whenever you're looking at religions, you're looking at some kind of practical tidbit. How does this help me to live life well? And the Bible is uh, is, is not lacking in that area at all. I'll tell you, however, um, it was it was a few years ago in studying Proverbs that I realized I think I've been looking at Proverbs wrong. Uh, Proverbs is not merely a book of uh, short, pithy little statements. Uh, it's not just a book of advice. Uh, it is a book dealing with righteousness. And so even the wisdom uh, that God gives is really a, a moral matter. Uh, and so it's it's a book that shows us how to respond to God in real time. Uh, I think it's kind of the way I, I like to think of it. And uh, it's, it's not only is it super practical, but it's uh, it's all encompassing. In its practicality you'll look at one proverb and you'll say oh it applies here and then you look at it in another application it applies here uh solomon is the the writer of proverbs and it belongs the book belongs in uh, a series of five books that we often refer to as uh, the books of poetry or the five books of wisdom you've got job uh psalms proverbs ecclesiastes and then the probably the red-headed stepchild of the old testament uh, no offense to any red-headed audience members, <laughs> um, but it's, it's the Song of Solomon, right? Um, when's the last time you had a really good study in the Song of Solomon? Mm -hmm. um, but Proverbs uh, Proverbs deals with wise living. And one of the things about Proverbs is it assumes, for the most part, it assumes um, kind of a fair and balanced world. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you do good things, then good things will happen. If you make wise choices, then you'll get the, the blessed outcome. If you behave like a fool uh, or a scoffer or a simpleton, then bad things will happen. However, uh, it's it's set alongside books like Job, uh, books like Ecclesiastes, books like um, 
uh, you know, books like the Psalms, where some of the psalmists are crying out, God, why are you so far away from me? You know, why, why have you turned your face away? Why are these bad things happening? So when you take these pieces of wisdom in totality, and they help us to make the best possible choices, understanding that God is uh, sometimes working in ways that we don't understand. Uh, bad things do happen to good people. Uh, sometimes the, the wicked seem to get away with it. But uh, this is still the best way possible to live, which is in the fear of God. So Proverbs begins where Ecclesiastes ends. Uh, the idea that uh, fearing God and keeping his commandments is the whole of man. So you've got this sort of tension between uh, a God who is worthy of praise and then a life that doesn't seem to make much sense. And Proverbs mm -hmm. kind of helps to focus on how can I just do work on my end of things and, and do right so that God will bless me. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you said, uh, I think I put this up. Can you see this, uh, this window yeah. now? Yeah. This is uh, a graphic stolen from Stephen Rouse. Some of our audience members may know Stephen Rouse. Um, and he put some work in doing this, describing kind of the balance of the wisdom literature mm. where you've got the five different books of what you described. And on one end, on the right end, you've got Ecclesiastes, which you read Ecclesiastes and without a proper understanding, man, it's depressing. Uh, it's just right. really, uh, like how Stephen said, it's raw observations about life. Life is empty, it's vain, there's, no, there's nothing valuable nothing good, all those sorts of things. And on the other end, you've got Proverbs, which really dives into the, the blessings of righteous living um, and delivering yourself from pain and sorrow and vanity and those kinds of things. But we live in a world that's stuck in the middle <laughs> of, of right. you know, we're, we're trying to live righteously and wise lives, but we still live in a vain, empty, hard, sinful world. Um, and so there's that tension of reading the wisdom literature where you're kind of trying to trust God, but also life is not working the way that you want it to. Um, but in spite of all of that, Proverbs is the answer. It really is. If if you live a righteous life, you will be blessed. Um, and some of the Proverbs even uh, mention some of the vanity and wickedness in life um, as well. But that, that I think it's a helpful idea and helpful to understand. If you just read Proverbs, you'll come away kind of disappointed because you're like, that doesn't always work that way. If you just read Ecclesiastes, you'll come away depressed because there's no hope. Um, but balancing right. the two together, living a righteous life in a sinful world is the point of really all the wisdom literature working together. So um, yeah. yeah, so cool. And one of the one of the ways that I think it's helpful when, when you're attacking a book like Proverbs or um, really any of the Old Testament, but especially the poetry. Um, some of us like poetry. Some of us think we like poetry, um, and some of us really don't like poetry at all. Um, I'm a language arts major, and so I studied a lot of literature from all over the world uh, through college. And um, sitting through a, a literature class, sometimes the question is just, well, what does this mean to you? Which is not a great question. That's not really a good question. Uh, and there are some writers out there who just put stuff down hoping that it'll be interesting to somebody, uh, and that's their goal. But the Bible does more than just say, hey, I hope this is interesting to somebody. The Bible has a message. And so it's not, what does this mean to me, but really what is the Spirit trying to communicate? And the technique uh, that we ought to use here in poetry is this rhyme scheme that the Hebrew writers use, where it's a, a rhyming not of words, 
uh, or phrases, but it's a rhyming of ideas. And sometimes the ideas rhyme in a kind of harmonious way where um, you'll have a, a, a proverb, for example, uh, Proverbs 2, verse 1, just take a simple line. Uh, my son, this is Proverbs 2, verse 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Well, that's, that's kind of a rhyming of ideas. Uh, and that's a harmonious rhyme sequence. But then there are others where uh, it it is more of a contrast. It, it's a tension in these ideas where instead of it being the same idea repeated or the same idea taken but further, it's the opposite. Um, and and you'll, you'll see that through some of the Proverbs. So I think if we can get that rhyming sequence, there's no big secret to the Proverbs. Um, in fact, uh, I think one of the, the fun things about Proverbs, one of the useful things, is you don't have to know a lot about wisdom to, to jump into Proverbs and just start noodling through it. Because mm. it is process of trying to figure out what is he saying that makes us wise. Uh, you don't have to have the end for the Proverbs meaning to be wise. You just have to start working through it and you get wisdom by, by trying to get wisdom. Um, and there's actually a proverb that says that. So kind of a kind of a cool uh, structural thing to think through is how do these ideas complement, you know, and, and harmonize or how do they contrast and build this tension? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then another thing just about kind of introduction to Proverbs, um, as far as like where Proverbs came from, what Proverbs is, um, it's largely a collection of King Solomon's wise right. sayings, observations of life, things that, that he wrote down. Um, and that really primarily begins in in the structure that we expect in Proverbs and Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 1 through 9 really kind of serves as an introduction to the whole book of Proverbs and discussing the value of wisdom, why you should want wisdom, what happens when you don't pursue wisdom, maybe even some specific like scenarios of mm -hmm. if you've been foolish in this area of life, here's what you can expect. If you've been wise in this area of life, here's what you can expect. And then you get into the, the proverb structure of those rhyming thoughts and ideas in Proverbs 10. And that really goes through Proverbs chapter 24. And in chapter 24, there are some other sayings that are included that aren't attributed to Solomon. And back in chapter 25, it goes back to some more sayings that were attributed to Solomon, what he said, and actually gives a footnote or, or a, a title, I suppose, to the section in Proverbs 25.1. These are more Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So Hezekiah compiled some more things and put them into this structured book, uh, Solomon. And the last two chapters of Proverbs are uh, some, some wise sayings and, and Proverbs of Augur. Uh, who I don't know a lot about Agur. I don't know if you do. Um, he yeah. has some pretty cool stuff to say, really good observations uh, about life. Uh, but we just know he's Proverbs 30, verse 1, Agur, son of Jekah. Um, And he had some oracles, observations about life and things to share. And then the last chapter, which maybe a lot of people are familiar with, uh, is from King Muel. Um, mm. And it was actually something that was taught to him by his mother <laughs> that he really hold, held on to and shared with people. So that's cool. So you see this idea of, Wisdom is kind of, while the book is primarily attributed to, to Solomon, it's from God, godly people that are sharing righteous advice with life. You have a king that learned some lessons from his mother that last through the ages that, that help us to understand some different things and ways of living uh, and, and other things as well, uh, other sources of that wisdom. Um, so that's just kind of general overview, general structure. It breaks down into really kind of three different parts of, uh, of the book.
Yeah, maybe one more thing to, to add to that. This is not overview, but uh, you know, last week one of the things that we did is we we took ideas from throughout Proverbs and we strung them together, and that's that's good biblical teaching. Uh, you know, Stephen in Acts seven does that, where he looks back to the Old Testament and he says, "I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You guys know the story, but let me tell you about Abraham. Let me tell you about Joseph. Let me tell you about Moses." Uh, and then David, Solomon, Jesus. <laughs> and so it's it's not the whole thing. Uh, good biblical teaching and kind of <clears throat> see common threads and then weave uh, a, a tapestry of itself that reflects the whole of the tapestry of the Bible. And so studying Proverbs, we might say, I need some wisdom on finances or I need some wisdom on uh, being in debt, or I need some wisdom on raising my children, or on being a good husband, or wisdom on relationships with my neighbors, or just down the line. And that that is a great way to study Proverbs. However, I will say that Proverbs is not written that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like here's chapter 10, all the Proverbs on finances, and mm-hmm. here's chapter 10, all the Proverbs on marriage, raising mm-hmm. children. It's not written that way. Do you have any thoughts about maybe maybe why it's not compiled that way, or but maybe a good way to read Proverbs? Yeah, um, I, I think reading, and I've done this a couple of times with different people, just reading it start to finish like you would any other book is really helpful and valuable. Um, but I wonder if, and I don't know if this is the exact reason, I wonder if why it was compiled in that way is uh, just to illustrate and show that you need the full wisdom of God, not just bits and pieces in certain areas of your yeah. life. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's the exact reason why or, or why not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have a, a specific thought on that? No, I think that's good. Uh, I think it's sometimes we think we need something from God. We think we need certain wisdom. And then God says, mm, yeah, but you also need this over here, uh, or you need this more. You take the, the lame man in Mark two and he's, you know, being brought by his friends to Jesus and he thinks for sure he needs to walk. And Jesus says, you need your sins forgiven. And so if we read through Proverbs looking for what we're looking for, then we'll we'll find good godly advice, truth that shows us how to live that way in a righteous way. Uh, but we may be missing out on other things that God wants us to know, maybe even more than what we're wanting to know. So just a recommendation uh, is if if you would, when you're reading Proverbs, try to read through it. Um, maybe you've heard of the the schedule where you can keep it and you can read a chapter of Proverbs every day that lines up to the calendar day. So if you're if you're doing that for March, today's March 14th, read chapter 14. And then tomorrow's the 15th, mm-hmm. read chapter there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of months have 31 chapters. And and you'll be surprised how much layering happens as you read through, and suddenly a passage that seems to have nothing at all to do with marriage. In fact, it may be talking about something completely different, uh, but you go, wow, I really needed that. Maybe that's one of the reasons I'm having conflict in my marriage, and it'll strike you differently. Uh, so just, you know, yes, go looking for what you're looking for in God's word, but also be ready to receive what God wants to show you, and it may happen in a different way than you were expecting. A lot of good yeah, verses good in Proverbs about communication, which are important in marriage. Yeah important on the job, important among brethren. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, you guys want to start? We talked about starting just in Proverbs 1. You want to just start and read through Proverbs 1, kind of discuss what's going on in that chapter at the beginning? 
we'll we'll take our our own advice and just read read straight through it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, you just want so to read I, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, why don't we take it in sections? I'll read just the first seven verses, uh, starting up. So, verse one through seven of Proverbs one it says, "The Proverbs of Solomon, king of or son of David, king of Israel." to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing, and righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and, dis and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What do you guys want to talk about there? This is a theme that is going to be repeated in Proverbs. And I, I recommend parents, when I'm talking to parents about raising kids, because Proverbs is partly addressed to like a father to a son and telling sons, listen to your parents and that type of thing. Um, but uh, we can do this as adults and we can also do it with our children. So it's it's the the fool test. You can find out real quickly if you're a fool. Um, I took way too many COVID tests. A couple, of, I got tired of taking those COVID tests. You know, you'd get exposed to somebody, and before you went around, you, you take the test, uh, and it took like 15 minutes. This test is almost immediate, and it works like this. Um, wise men appreciate. You know, they hear and increase in learning. You know, correct wise man, he will love you for it. Uh, he'll be wiser still. These are some things there. But over and over Proverbs, in Proverbs, how does a fool react to correction? He despises wisdom and instruction. Yeah, so there's the fool test right there. When you're corrected, it, it, you're disappointed that you messed up. But do you hate being corrected? Or do you appreciate being corrected and hear it and learn from it? If you appreciate it and hear it and learn from it, you are not a fool. If you hate being corrected, you just tested positive for fool. Uh, fortunately, it's you don't have to like isolate for two weeks. You can decide right now to stop being foolish. So, for example... If you just took the full test and you realized, oh, I do hate being corrected. Oh, I have been being foolish. I need to do better. You're already, you're already getting better right there. Yeah. One of the things uh, I appreciate here in the first seven verses is the um, the ability that uh, God has in teaching people of all levels. Uh, verses four through five, you've got the simple and you've got the youth. All right, well, those, those people need teachers, the, the know-nothing and the, uh, the inexperienced. But then you've got the wise uh, and the understanding in verse five. And so God's able to teach the professor and the preschooler the same. Uh, and, and the only way he could really do that is if he had such a such a lofty perspective that from his height, you know, a preschooler and a professor really are about the same. You know, if you're standing up on some mountain somewhere, staring down at people and one guy's on a ladder, the other guy's just down on the ground, 
I mean, they're at the same level, really. You know, you're way up here, they're way down here. And that's that's the way God sees us, is we may be thinking, hey, I'm five rungs up on this thing. And God says, you're still way down there. <laughs> You've got a ways to go. <laughs> um, and so kind of to Scott's point is Proverbs demands humility, you know, a, a willingness, no matter how much we think we know, that we're going to be willing to change, willing to develop more wisdom. Uh, and so these Proverbs aren't going to work unless we're willing to continue to learn. Scott? Yeah, and I, I didn't explain why I was talking about that with parents. When I'm talking to parents, I say, you know, if you got four kids, you can, you know, just diagnose each of them to say, how does that one react to correction? Oh, they listen, they apply, wise. About number two there, number three or number four, oh, they hate it. You, you know, you got a child with a case of foolishness, and it's your job to train them out of it. And it's one of the best things we can do for a child is to train them out of it, to train them to okay. want to do better, to not be a cane, you know, and uh, apologize and do better. And then they, they feel much better about themselves. And and I, I really liked your illustration about looking down from above. I'm, I'm reminded one time I was at Bible study uh, with a couple and he had some pet rats in a cage. And we're studying, you know, a biblical text. And all of a sudden I hear all this chaotic screaming from the rats. And I looked over there like, what is going on? And they had a little ramp and a little platform. And he said, don't worry about it. They're just arguing about who's higher up on the ramp. <laughs> I thought, they're all rats. And <laughs> Yeah, you know, the disciples are coming in, and Jesus said, "Yeah, what are you guys talking about?" Mm -hmm. And they shut up. <laughs> um, maybe it'd be helpful to uh, Proverbs. We think about wisdom. What what exactly is wisdom? Let me look at these few verses. You get a lot of other descriptors. It's one of the great things about this parallel rhyming sequence is you get other synonyms. But uh, how would you define wisdom? I like in particular verse seven, which is maybe not exactly what you're looking for, but I like that the idea in verse seven that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That what that what that shows is if you want to know something, you need to go to someone that knows more about it than you. And we understand that. Like that's why we go to school. That's why, you know, the people pursue education because you're learning from someone that has a better grasp of what you're trying to figure out than you do. And what the Proverbs say is God has a better understanding of life than you do. And it makes sense that he does because he, he made it. <laughs> he created life. He is life. Um, and so if you want to learn about it, he's got the instruction manual. Uh, wisdom is maybe kind of in two directions. Wisdom is understanding you don't have all the answers and going to someone that has more answers than you. That brings them the humility. But it also is understanding who that source is, that the source of all answers, of all truth, of all knowledge is the Lord. And you should fear him uh, for that. Be respectful, be reverent, and approach him in humility. So that's what I think. That's probably not exactly what you're looking for. I know you're talking about this, the synonyms probably in like verse 2 and 3, but that's where I go. Yeah, well, it's a good, it's a good start. Um, wisdom, you can't really have true wisdom without God. Uh, otherwise, we're just two rats trying to talk to each other. Uh, we need the the higher perspective. Scott, what what would you say? Yeah, well, I've, I've heard it said that you know wisdom is like knowing what to do with your knowledge, 
And I think there's some truth in that. Um, you can know a lot of data and still be a great fool. Uh, I was at a friend's one time. There was a TV program on about uh, intervention. And this guy, oh, he's a total mess. Now, he went to like a prestigious university at age 14. He was on Jeopardy, you know, as a teenager. His, his IQ was enormous, but he had no wisdom. So he was in major gambling debt. Um, his parents have already lost their house. And in the as it's being filmed, he's screaming at his mom. He has to have another twenty thousand dollars, you know, within the next few hours. And they're trying to, you know, get an intervention going. So there's some people that mistake knowing data and knowing things for what you do with it. And here's a sad irony: I love the book of Proverbs. I really do. Um. But the Proverbs of Solomon, who's a wise man, and a lot in here is listen to your father. You might think that having Solomon for a dad, you would be really wise. Who is Solomon's son that took the throne after him? Jeroboam. Or no, sorry, Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Yeah, Rehoboam. <laughs> Major foolish king. Just, I mean, he just started off foolish and and then just uh, horrible, and that was that was the son of Solomon. You know, this book is partly written for him, I would say. So, uh, it, it it James, it doesn't do any good for us to look at the word if we're not going to actually apply it. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's a great warning. Is uh, maybe reading Proverbs regularly, like we've uh, prescribed, that's not gonna do us any good. Uh, just reading it, knowing it, memorizing it, fantastic. You're just doubly liable now. Um, Rehoboam might've been able to quote <laughs> these scriptures, uh, but it, it didn't do him any good because he, he didn't love it. Um, I'm, I'm looking at uh, verse uh, three, uh, to receive instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. Uh, God's wisdom teaches us how to go about life in an upright way. And it's is based off of the most fundamental truth that God is. Um, and so when when you approach life uh, knowing that God's in control, it, it really gives you an advantage, a major advantage. Um, and then when you realize he's given us instructions on how to go about life. Wow. Um, and then the way I've We'll, we'll get maybe get here later, but the way I've th thought about it is if you're trying to play a board game, tabletop game, and you're applying all of your thinking from, I don't know, the game Monopoly, but it turns out you're playing Sorry, <laughs> you're going to lose. <laughs> you're, you're totally going to lose. Uh, and so when we're going about life, we need to play by the rules. You know, God gave us certain rules. And so he knows what's just. He knows what's equitable. He knows what's righteous. Uh, and so I like the word in verse two, uh, the ESV uses the word insight, uh, which is it's just it's a simple word. It, it's the ability to see into, to see through something. And not everything in life is as it appears. Not everything in life is what it seems. And so God's guidance helps us to look through and see what something really is. And you can see that from the very beginning, Genesis chapter two and three, where God says, hey, there's that tree. 
uh, don't eat it. Don't eat from that tree. And Satan comes along and starts talking about it and convincing Adam and Eve, like, here's the way it should work. Um, and if they had trusted that God knew what was really going on, uh, they would have learned insight, seen through Satan's lies, known the reality that God made them for who they are, and they would not have behaved so foolishly and brought sin into the world. Uh, so it's really a simple process, but wisdom is that ability to see through and then make wise decisions for living. Uh, Jonathan, you've got like something to say. Yeah, one other thing that's just kind of observation about Proverbs that I've kind of experienced myself, and, and not just in Proverbs, but in just teaching in general, some of the most profound teaching, I think me personally, is whenever a teacher says something, and it's so simple and so straightforward that I find myself thinking, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> like, it's so obvious. <laughs> why didn't I think of that? And that's what Proverbs does over and over and over. It's like, you read a proverb and you're like, wow, that's right. <laughs> like, why, did, why didn't I see that before? <laughs> I gotta think. It's just very obvious, simple <laughs> things that if, if you're true and an honest person, makes a lot of sense and you see it. Um, there was a, a man that, that I was trying to study with for uh, a, a while and he wasn't interested in, in reading the scriptures, uh, sitting down and actually studying with me, but he was very friendly. We would talk. Uh, I would see him outside of his of his house sometimes, and I'd stop and talk on the street. And um, so it was a challenge for me because he didn't want to sit down and read, but I wanted to talk to him about the Bible. So I tried to bring the Bible into conversation without him knowing that we were talking about the Bible. And then I would drop <laughs> the bomb on him and say, you know, that's a Bible verse, right? <laughs> um, and so we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, just various different like political things or uh, talking about his family or his kids or any number of topics. And I would quote to him a proverb in kind of like paraphrased version uh, from from the scripture. And he'd say, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, yes, Proverbs, you know, this chapter, this verse, right? And he's like, wow. I, and he said, I guess the Bible does know what it's talking about. <laughs> but, you know, people kind of go, people kind of go into, you know, Bible study sometimes with this stigma of like, yeah, I'm not interested. I don't want to. But if you just read it, you're like, Wow, God! God did know what He was doing. <laughs> he did. Yeah. You know, I can see that truth in my life really, really clearly. You know, uh, Proverbs is good for anybody, but there's a couple of situations where I think it's just especially helpful. Uh, if you get a chance to study with some prisoners, um, this is a is a good book. They're they're not all going to be terribly spiritually minded. Uh, they may not all be believers. Um, but, you know, they're sitting there, and if you start going over things, and a lot of the guys that are in prison are in prison because they didn't listen to the wisdom that's in the book of Proverbs. So, like, it really addresses a lot of their problems. Secondly, you know, young people, and particularly young men, because a lot of it's directed to the male, uh, but... Um, really good for young good for everybody but those are just a couple of situations where if you have a group study with either prisoners or young people this is a super helpful book we've kind of talked around verse seven and we've talked about uh, the fear of the lord and the beginning of wisdom jonathan you mentioned that specifically um but suppose i'm someone i'm reading the bible for the first time and i come to this passage and maybe, maybe i'm your neighbor guy who's like hmm, i'm not sure about the bible um fear the lord that I, i'm accustomed to that saying I'm, i've gotten comfortable with that 
uh, as, as best you're able to get comfortable with the fear of the Lord. I think it's the point not to get comfortable with the fear of the Lord. Um, but how is how is fearing the Lord supposed to bring me to wisdom? Like, how is that even a good thing? Do you, you want to address that? I think an easy way to illustrate it, uh, especially if somebody had a father that trained them and meant well and was not abusive was just understanding you know if you've got a good dad and he expects you to do the right thing and you're going to be in big trouble if you don't there is a fear that you have for him it's not a fear of not knowing what to expect it's a fear of knowing what to expect um some people grow up in homes home with an alcoholic father and they've got a they've got a different fear of their dad they don't know what to expect you know they mowed the grass they they got an a on their book report but man if dad comes home drunk and angry it's not going to make any difference um they don't know what to expect um god's telling us here here's what you can expect and so to respect that here's a question what about you know somebody is looking at first john and it says you know about not fearing and it says perfect love casts out fear so this part of the bible says you know the fear of the lord and peter will talk about you know fear god uh and, and elsewhere and yet verse one four says perfect love casts out fear what about that I think it's helpful to see also that it says in, in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yes. Um, that that there's, this, there's this growth in relationship that we have with God as we learn more from him, as we start getting you know closer to him, understand more about him. And the same way that physical fathers have a relationship with their son that evolves. Um, like, for example, right now I have a two-year-old son. Um, who does what I tell him to do most of the time or sometimes, um, partially because he doesn't want to be disciplined. <laughs> um, if, if I'm in the same room with him, he knows he's not supposed to touch certain things in the room. Like the common one is the electric outlet or whatever. He knows the electric outlet is no, no, you don't touch that. And, um, he won't touch it. I'm watching him. But if I leave the room, he might be tempted to touch it because, oh, dad doesn't know. Um, he's just motivated by fear of, of discipline. And if there's no, you know, in his view, uh, opportunity for discipline, he might do whatever he wants. Um, but if I find him well and he gets into his teenage years, he's probably going to be a little bit stronger than me. Actually, he's most definitely going to get to a point where he's stronger than me in my life. But I hope that he still has a fear of me um, and a respect where he wants to honor and do what I say, not because he's afraid I might discipline him, but because he actually cares about what I want him to do. Um, you know, my, my 18 year old son, whenever he gets there, will be able to touch the electric outlet and I can't stop him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but he knows not to touch it because he's learned a lesson from me and he knows that I, I don't want him to. And that's maybe a silly example, but I think that shows that the evolution of the, the fear motivation to the love motivation. I think that's, that's John's point in first John. Yeah. And most people, you think when people are baptized into Christ, is not wanting to go to hell, not wanting to be held responsible for your sins, 
uh, a, a big motivation? Yes, it is. But you think of a saint who served the Lord for 50 years and it's, they're getting towards the end of their life and looking forward to going to be with the Lord. It, it, so, yeah, fear of the Lord is the beginning uh, of wisdom. Justin. Well, in fact, the, the scenario you just brought up, Scott, it, it would concern me a little bit if someone said they wanted to be baptized, they wanted to become a Christian just because they love Jesus so much and that were their main motivation. It would, it would concern me a little bit because I would be thinking, oh, this is just you expressing your love for Jesus, not realizing that you are not in a good relationship with Jesus. Uh, so in the same way, when we come to God for wisdom, we have to recognize we're not on the, the same level with him. You know, he, he is greater. He's above us. And maybe that's part of this fear idea is fear is never really something we out. Uh, and I, I like the way you put it, Jonathan, is, is that you know, even as a teenager, hopefully, Ray, your son, you know, 18, he's still going to fear you in the sense that he respects you. He thinks greatly of you, thinks well of you. He trusts you. He trusts your uh, desire to bless him. But there's something else that's been added to it. I've got a quote here that I wrote into my Bible in First John from George MacDonald. Um, he, he says this about First John. Naturally, the first emotion of man toward the being he calls God, but of whom he knows so little, is fear. Where it is possible that fear should exist, it is well it should exist, cause continual uneasiness, and be cast out by nothing less than love. Until love, which is the truth toward God, is able to cast out fear, it is well that fear should hold. It is a bond, however poor, between that which is and that which creates, a bond that must be broken, but a bond that can be broken only by the tightening of an infinitely closer bond. Verily, God must be terrible to those that are far from him, for they fear he will do, yea, he is doing with them what they do not, cannot desire, and can ill to think of fear as a bond that pulls us close to God, but love is going to hold us even closer to him if we'll let mm -hmm. it. And, and the more we get to know God and respect God, it's kind of the Romans 1 you know, connection. You see God's wrath. The more you know of God's wrath, the more you fear him, but the more you have an opportunity to love him and treasure his mercy. Uh, so so love tightens beyond where fear can tighten us toward God. Mm -hmm. Let, let's take a look at the text here in 1 John 4 and compare it with an uh, earlier verse in 1 John 2. So in 1 John 4, 16, we have come to know and believe that uh, believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in, in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may also have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are, are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So it says, uh, it talks about um, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And perfect love casts out fear. Well, what is perfect love? Go back to 1 John chapter 2. And uh, if one of you guys would please read... Um, Verse five, uh, in fact, verse four and five. No, three, four, five. three, four, and five. Okay. I'll stop. Three, four, and five. I'm not going to make you go. Back. 
You want me to start at two? <laughs> yeah, so verse three, First uh, John 2. Uh, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word is in him. Truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. All right. So by keeping his word, that's where love is perfected. Uh, we don't need to be afraid of doing the right thing. Doing the wrong thing should make us afraid. But when we're doing the right thing, and that's what this is saying, uh, whoever keeps his word, um, there is, uh, yeah, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected when you're doing the right thing. So I, I remember going to an aquarium where there was an open tank. You know, the, the water was right there. Here's You're up here a little bit above it, and there's railing, and there's the, the pool. And there's sharks swimming around in the pool. Um, I wasn't afraid because I was up on the platform behind the railing. But if somebody's climbing off the platform and over the railing, you know, and, and dangling in, yeah, they should they should be afraid of that. There's sharks now there. When you're where you're supposed to, when you come to Christ uh, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you're walking where you're supposed to be walking, you don't have to have the fear of punishment. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, and John, who's I mean, he's he keeps writing in these ever tightening concentric circles. He repeats himself, but he says it just slightly differently here, slightly different here. Uh, John 15, 10, back when Jesus is talking to his disciples before he goes to the garden of Gethsemane, he says in John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Uh, so you know, the father-son relationship is a, is a good example because as fathers, we're trying to give our children good instructions. They're, they're meant to bless them. Uh, God does the same thing to us. Jesus tells us to do things and we should be afraid to disobey, but we should also rejoice in the benefit of of the the commandment, you know, if, if I obey him, I receive his love. So yeah, I think the the love perfected in me, um, enjoying the blessing of obeying his commandments. So kind of tracking back to wisdom, um, wisdom is not these signposts that stand in our way of doing what we want to do. They actually point the way to going the way God intends for us. To, like that's that's the best way to go. Uh, so instead of seeing wisdom and and godly advice as warnings against things that are really enjoyable is actually leading us to a better yeah. way of life. Uh, so it is the beginning of wisdom. Is that it marks a path by which I can go with confidence. Mm -hmm. Cool. And, and that is that um, a lot of things that are enjoyable are destructive. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it might be fun to hang over the railing, you know, and stick your foot in a shark's face. You know, that might be exciting, but it doesn't mean it's going to turn out well. Um, the, the the Bible says that God's commandments are for our good always. Uh, and, and Psalm 34, if you want to love life and see good days, refrain from your tongue from evil. I mean, don't speak deceit. You know, seek peace and pursue it. Uh, good is good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, cool. Well, we made it seven verses into Proverbs, so uh, maybe in some future programs we can uh, get a little bit further and discuss some more in detail some of the content of Proverbs. So that's a good introduction. Uh, and uh, we're, we're out of time for this week, so we're going to wrap up right there. Uh, if our audience has, if you have any questions more about Proverbs, maybe something specific you'd like us to address in Proverbs or some questions about the wisdom literature in general uh, or anything else in the scripture, we'd be happy to discuss those things. You can visit our website at BibleQuest.tv and we'll be happy to talk about what you'd like us to talk about in our future shows. Uh, that's all that we have for this week. And so we'll plan on seeing everyone next week, Lord willing. Thank <laughs> you.